Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey there, podcast listener. Have you ever been listening to Wizard and the Bruiser and thought to yourself, I wish I could see just how fat Jake and Holden are in real life? Don't lie. We know all about your weird inside thoughts, listeners. Well, now you can make that dream a reality because Wizbrew and Page 7 are going on tour. Austin, Dallas, Milwaukee, Chicago, Minneapolis, D.C., Philly, Brooklyn, San Francisco, L.A. Nowhere is safe from an all-new show we're calling Release the Butthole Cut. Ew. Come join your fellow LPN fans for a night of pop culture chaos that's fun for the whole family, assuming your family consists of equally broken weirdos in their 30s. It's going to be a blast. Tickets are on sale right now at lastpodcastnetwork.com. Go, go now. There's VIP meet and greet passes available as well in case you want to get, you know, a little extra close, uh, especially personal. I legally have to clarify that there is no sexual element involved. I mean, unless, you know. Okay, cheese chick. All right, stop winking, all right, buddy? It's Page 7 and Wizard and the Bruiser live. Go to lastpodcastnetwork.com for dates and tickets. the movies the silver screen when the lights dim and the projector whirs and the salty popcorn cakes on your fingers and you know you're being transported to another place hey it's me soft randall i'm here to say hey jake want to sit by me in the movies soft randall you were banned from this establishment because the movies is a place where you're supposed to feel comfortable and safe and you randall have gotten a lot of complaints I'd give you a handshake, my hands are all slimy. I'd give you a hug, but I got an erection. Fucking hell, this is why <laughs> attendance is down precipitously and our industry is in crisis. It's Wait, because you're of saying people it's all like because you. of Soft Randall. Soft you're Randall and your adjacent cohorts, whether it's uh, Soothing Gary or Slippery Greg. <laughs> soft Randall, I banish you to the nether realm. Uh, He'll love oh, it there. He'll love it he down there. He loves it. Yeah, he freaks him out there. That's how he keeps getting back in our realm. He freaks out the ghouls and the monsters there. Jesus he makes them Christ, uncomfortable. this guy again. <laughs> this guy again. I'd give my fifth eyeball to get rid of this guy. It's a whole scenario we could get into that would be hilarious and mind-blowing for the listening audience home. But instead, I think we're going to focus on a few films that we caught uh, over the past 
week or so uh, in order to give you guys another little taste of uh, Holden and Jake of the movies, Whisper of the movies. Um, yeah, we've got with tour and holidays and everything going on. Uh, this was a good way for us to uh, get a nice meaty, thick episode out to you guys. Spared no expense. Just a little research time. I definitely spared expenses by uh, not <laughs> stepping foot in a theater and using shady Russian websites to watch most of these movies. I did pay $20 for bros because oh. I'd heard that they had gotten so uh, shafted in the box office. That <laughs> Everybody's I was like, you know getting shafted at that. Steven Spielberg got shafted at the box office. People don't Absolutely. come out for movies unless it's... A fucking franchise, unless it's a roller coaster, unless it's a valuable chapter in the Ur myth that we now are plugged into. Absolutely correct, Jake. But I will say uh, I did enjoy these offerings at home uh, and uh, in some some ways, only one nefarious way. Everything else was by the bu- by the book. But we are here to talk about three films in this order. Disenchanted, Bros. And Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, and uh, I'm. It was a nice little smattering. I think mm-hmm. you know we picked them for different reasons. I wanted to do Disenchanted because it was just a movie that had just come out that I was kind of excited about. I, I'm a huge. I would say only second to Emma Stone. Amy Adams is like my celebrity <laughs> crush a little bit, and but it's oh, not you just got because a type. you got a precocious uh, yeah, redhead Disney princess, type, yeah. a little bit. But she, you know, she's uh, not not just am I. Uh, do I think she's beautiful I think she's so talented and this was such a wonderful display of her acting abilities as well and uh, surprised me even how much I really uh, did enjoy it but uh, we also did bros because Jake it was a response to your lament on our Patreon patreon.com forward slash whizbrew we did an episode about where have all the comedies gone and many people hit you up and said hey uh, check out bros might be the thing you Mm -hmm. are looking for so that's why we went with that one correct yeah yeah and last but not least i think just the timeliness the fact that we just did an episode on it and it's the the biggest movie of the season it's the biggest movie of the season and it's such a curiosity there's so many layers this is an onion of a film man i mean there's just so much going on in terms of the emotional depths of the background of this film and uh, of obviously everything uh, post uh, Chadwick Boseman when it comes to Black Panther. So yeah, it was definitely a, what a fascinating watch. And we'll get to that Mm -hmm. in just a little bit, but uh, why don't we start back at the beginning with disenchanted available streaming on Disney plus. Yes. Very available for streaming on Disney plus Jake. Did you watch the first enchanted? No, I've only seen clips and bits weird. Yeah, I know. But you know, they, they did a very solid job setting up. It's everything. Very different. And honestly, the, the approach is so different. So, Oh, absolutely. I watched it with my wonderful flesh wife, uh, Marie, and she was a huge fan of the first enchanted. And so like, she kind of stacked the deck. She made sure I saw like key scenes, like, uh, the rats and the pigeons cleaning yes, uh, up in the fun. first one. The uh, it's iconic Central Park musical number. The, the whole. Central Park is the other probably big moment in Enchanted. And yeah, the for whole sure. ending sequence with the dragon and the fight and the gala and all that. Uh, made sure to specifically point out how terrible Amy Adams' dress was for the gala. It's like kind of <laughs> weird how she did all these amazing gowns. Up. And then yeah, her yeah. final dress is just this like very 2000 strappy thing. That's so funny. I, I, what I'm trying to say is even though I didn't watch it like entirely, I was very plugged in to the energy of the first movie and was surprised watching the sequel, how it kind of went 
way stronger into uh, a lot of uh, yada dada shenanigans, but also full on musical. This is yes, it's way more of a musical. And okay, so going back to the first one, Enchanted stars Amy Adams. It is a cartoon Disney princess, like a fake one, classic. Mm-hmm though Disney princess in that classic wonderful animation style uh, falling through a portal and ending up in the real world um, uh, played by the princess played by Amy Adams in modern day New York City and you know she's being uh, courted by this prince in the fantasy world but she ends up meeting this uh, guy in the uh, in the real New York City world and falling for him and it's a, it's a fun light romantic comedy musical um, but you speak towards one thing right off the bat Jake I walked away from that movie the same that I have on certain films that surprise me when I go back and watch them. Enchanted was a movie that I didn't see when I, I first came out, and uh, I really more so uh, got into it. Uh, uh, recently, I watched it like not too long ago, even maybe like this past year, I think, because really? I just find well, it was on Disney Plus. And I had always been curious about it. And more recently, I've, I've kind of fallen back in love with uh, classic musicals and that classic Disney animation style as well and things like that. And just been yearning for a little bit more lighthearted fare. I mean, I've gotten my fill of guys getting gnashed in half <laughs> by some kind of demon monster, a, a soft Randall per se, getting <laughs> ripped in half by some kind of angry, you know, woman monster or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know what I've this been watching, you know. Horror, so it's a lady monster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And There's it's an big, allegory for lazy you've got stuff. Representation matters, guys. Yeah. Get get those make put lipstick on those monsters. <laughs> <laughs> but um uh I yeah, I so I just was like, man, I always wanted to watch this and I love Amy Adams. I love her and really anything she's mm-hmm. in, but I definitely walked away from from it being like, wow, I thought there were gonna be like way more songs in this. Mm-hmm. Like I was kind of wanting more of a musical. So yes, to start things off, I was so pleasantly surprised to see way more musical numbers in this sequel. I mean, it and it re- it served me everything I kind of wanted in that sense. So here's, I'm already going to disagree with you on this because the musical numbers were plentiful, but they didn't have any like real punch. They got Alan Menken and Steven Schwartz, who is like Disney royalty, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Pocahontas, like pure, 90s golden age Disney songwriting. Yeah. But a lot of the songs, like in the first movie, when she started singing, people would be like, what the fuck is happening? This is actually kind of weird. There was like a bite to it. And here it was just like straight ahead, I want something more. Or like, oh, we're going to do it. You know, we're getting ready for the thing. And it just like, there was, you know, there was a couple of like okay jokes. The, The standout musical number, I think, was when um, Giselle was kind of squaring off against um, Maya Rudolph's character, the yes. evil queen. Ba- Batter, yeah. I believe, is maybe the name of the song. I, I was going to point to two. I, I agree that you can make the argument that Enchanted had, um, even though they were fewer numbers, they had more iconic numbers with the Happy Cleaning song or whatever the name of that song was mm-hmm. and the Central Park number. However, I do feel that that, and, and we should mention a couple other cast members in this movie that were just wonderful banger choices. That would be um, uh, Maya Rudolph and Adina Min- Zell. I mean, just put, pa, pa, fully loaded this oh, so cast wise, I so feel like. Adina Menzel was in the first one, and you know, she uh ended up in Andalasia or whatever the magical nation was. That was because she was Patrick Dempsey's like fiance girlfriend. And so her happily ever after was she got to go to the magic world. And yeah. so in this movie, 
she's like a magical queen from the magical land. And the kind of resolution of the movie is all based on this fucking gigantic Adina Menzel belty ballad that Love Power which is the other I would gibberish. say song that was it was nonsense it was it just was, it was beautiful talking about how memories create you know memories the, uh, is the love and love is yeah. the power that was a you have the love of the memories nonsense. let me point to another comic song how about the song Memories and Cats Memories are be- beautiful things to sing songs about I thought it was a really beautiful song I, it I was beautiful kind of because it was Adina was, Menzel doing her fucking yeah. full on Elsa mode, but they had no like every the whole plot where like the magic from the magical realm is making our world magical, but the act, but like it's sucking the magic out, but also it's making these weird magic vines grow everywhere. Like there was just mm-hmm. so many, like the stakes were so weirdly nebulous and things like I know that wasn't the point. The point was to have all your favorite characters do their fun character games. And like, I I had a fun time. I had a fun time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it really did feel like a victory lap, just like kind of playing the hits, you know, working around COVID. Like it just, uh, this and uh, Hocus Pocus 2, like the job Mm. isn't to create a new movie that can stand on its own. The job is to just get your nostalgia tingles on without like being outwardly, uh, uh, just bad. I'd say this was much stronger than Hocus Pocus 2. I want to focus on a couple of the elements of the plot and uh, moments that I thought were, were really strong in this movie. Um, first of all, I like that they like flipped it on its head a little bit. We should give a little bit more of an explanation mm-hmm. of like what actually is the premise of the film. Because in the first film, you know, I already explained it, right? R- R- uh, Disney Princess ends up in modern day New York. And this film, it starts with their ha- their apartment getting a little too small as they welcomed a baby into the family and their daughter, the the uh, her stepdaughter, uh, the the daughter of the guy, her her the guy she fell in love with. Um, she's now a teenager and everything that goes along with that. And they decide to move to this like very castle-like home in uh, the suburbs of this like small town. And so the changeover is she's kind of just dealing with a lot of real-life problems. The teenager being a challenge, the the raising a baby, the, you know, dealing with this like fixer-upper house, all this kind of stuff comes to a head and so she ends up with this magic wand via um, Adina Menzel's character and, and the James prince. Marsden. And James Marsden uh, ends up with this wand after a weird musical moment. But that, mm-hmm. that was a weird musical moment where they're like singing about the wand. Um, but then she wishes for like essentially the fantasy world to take over, take over real life. And so it's one of those things that I love. I love this construct in movies where you get introduced to like everybody in the town and you get the basics of what's going on in the real world. And then usually it's like a dream sequence or something. And this it was the the her her wish using the wand. It 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 kind of created everyone ended up in these archetypes based on like their g- general relationship mm-hmm. to the town which is why Maya Rudolph's character who's like kind of just the super mom of the town ends up like the Malice- Maleficent of mm-hmm. the town essentially and the I think one of the clever more clever plot this points this was clever this was clever. this was clever Amy Adams realizes oh shit wait a second I'm a stepmom <laughs> so if I'm in a fairy tale I can't be anything other than an evil <laughs> stepmother and then so the whole thing of it is she realizes, oh, no, I have to like reverse the spell before the clock strikes midnight or I will go full on evil and I won't be able to come back and I'll just become. So so that Except leads me to the, one of my. But then the stakes are also at midnight. 
the universe explodes, which like, and they're both on the same. T- Alan Tudyk plays a incredibly animated talking scroll who does yes, the Alan Tudyk I voice. I love that. That and he that. just swoops in, puts some like new waypoints and objectives on the map, and then just nopes out throughout yeah, the yeah, movie. Yeah. I, I for sure, but but all that said, you know, you have all these people falling into place of their archetype, the fairy mm-hmm. godmothers, and mm-hmm. the you know all the different all the different. The little... husband is an adventurer, so Patrick yeah. Dempsey can do some shots when uh, the other more expensive actors are not available. <laughs> yeah, all that good stuff. But Amy Adams gets to play this role where she's going back and forth between her character from the first film, where she's this like doe-eyed you know Disney princess, and then constantly judging back and forth into this evil stepmother character and going from evil to good to evil to good in these scenes that I felt like were really well performed by Amy Adams. I think she yes. did such a good job and I think Maya Rudolph did a fantastic job and that I would say the standoff would probably be badder um, I believe is the one where they have a face off and I was just totally delighted by that song and generally by this film maybe I just needed it maybe I just needed a good dose of it I do believe I did, did need it I was like oh man so I was kind of I watched half of this movie kind of laid out exhausted not in a great mood and I just was like this is exactly what I need inject this into my veins right now I just want to like check out um and just enjoy like a, a fun silly jaunt so I no, I don't disagree with the points you're making at all but it's more of a like man I just like I just threw any of that shit out the window oh, and yeah. had just so- had a great time Despite all of the misgivings and all the problems I had with the movie, the fact is Amy Adams does deliver. You're right. Uh, Her bouncing back and forth between like this sultry, like dripping with menace uh, stepmom character, then back to Giselle, the doe-eyed princess. And like she is clearly having a blast. She is like amazing. And uh, even the actress who plays uh, the daughter, the teen daughter, like is uh, doing her damnedest. Like the, yeah, on she the strength great... of the cast, I, I definitely enjoyed it. It is a enjoyable movie, especially if you watch the first one. Um, but like, I'm not like it's not it's it exists as a piece of entertainment directly tied to the uh like the whole arc of nostalgia so like it is enjoyable uh-huh. it is fun it is delightful these are char- charismatic actors giving charismatic performances with lots of fun little jokes and little asides but like once in a while i'd be like what the fuck is happening <laughs> yes, <laughs> and i, I just completely... have to acknowledge that like that emotion is there even though the rest of it is so pleasing to the eyes and ears whereas enchanted is such a clear cut Mm-hmm. simple premise this did have a lot more going on yeah. for sure okay uh, just That's in it. general i absolutely agree with you on that also why'd they move to this like the kid's 16 like why would you they're, they'll be in college in two years that the baby <laughs> won't even be in preschool yet just fucking stick it out yeah, I guess, but you know, it's kind of like I, the whole. It's not a real note. That's not a real <laughs> criticism. The concept of settling down everything. I, I don't know. I, I definitely have rose colored glasses for this movie because I think it was kind of like a little fixer upper for me when I was kind of in a shitty mood. And mm-hmm. and uh, I do have such a fondness for uh, Amy Adams. And really, her breakout was Enchanted. That's what really put her on the map. So I kind of have a fondness for that film just because it's kind of what introduced her to the 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 world including myself even if i caught the film much later 
But uh, oh, yeah, is there, is one there more, much else One to more say? stupid mm-hmm. nitpick is um, in the original, in the first movie, they uh, at this point, Disney did not have their own uh, 2D animation studio anymore. So they hired uh, former Disney artist uh, James Baxter and his production company. And this dude is a legend. He uh, did the animation on Rafiki and the Lion King, Quasimodo in Notre Dame. And um, even the character James Baxter on Adventure Time, who is this horse that is weirdly well animated compared to everything else on screen, um, is uh, he's just a legendary animator. And he did those scenes in the first Enchanted. And then when they went back for this movie to the animated land, it, the, the animation is just not on the same level. It just feels like. They hired a, sep- a third-party studio and just told them, make it look kind of Disney-y. Mm. It's such a dumb nitpick, but like when they went to the animation world in Disenchanted, I was like, oh boy, I can't wait to see that good-ass animation. And I was like, ah, this is fine. This is- you actually reminded me of bring up a point. I mean, for me, I think you have a better eye than me mm. for for that sort of thing. For me... Both between the absolute musicalness of the of the film and the those animation sequences, uh, those are the two. I was like, man, I miss old musicals and I miss the the classic mm. animation style. But I could, I bet if I compared them, I would notice the difference too. But still, it was just so nice to see like non C, even <laughs> if it wasn't the same quality as the first film's uh, animation approach. Man, did it make me miss. Just like watching Princess and the Frog, you know, it it was kind of like that. I just was like, the Frog Princess, I was just like, man, I miss this. And I wish they would bring it back more often. It definitely gave me that that feeling of nostalgia, too, for just just exactly that. Um, But uh, yeah, I I don't know. So here we go. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I, of course, I think you can probably tell this going into it. I give this one a big fat thumbs up, especially if you enjoyed that first one. And um, yeah, if you have Disney Plus, it is and you need just maybe a little pygmy, maybe a little something that just gives you a little a nice little happy with not too much you know but i agree with jake don't think too hard about some of the plot appreciate the ones that are smart don't think too hard about the ones that are not and just enjoy that amy adams performance enjoy that maya rudolph performance adina menzel will give you beautiful notes uh that will tingle the senses and there's some fun and there's some good comedy i laughed at a a few moments in the film as well there's some good comedy it was kind of like i will compare to hocus pocus 2 in that sense i do think it could be funnier I do think that, uh, just like I think that Hocus Pocus and Hocus Pocus 2 could have more jokes and be funnier, I, I could see that for this as well, but man, did I love, and you know, that first big musical number when she first turns the suburbs into fairy tale town, mm-hmm. that was so fun, it reminded me of that Central Park number, I just love seeing a bunch of people, <laughs> way too many people, all dancing in the same you know, way uh, in a colorful display. I think they I just, were dancing I, I, around a fountain specifically to evoke yeah, the so, first yeah, movie. Pretty much the same deal. So I give it a th- I give it a thumb up. Did I say thumb up? I give it a big fat holding thumb up. I will give it a uh, anemic yet yet willful thumbs up. I guess you're like like you're like oh that thumb is that are your are your thumbs okay, bro? And I'm like yeah, <laughs> I, I still am lifting it skyward. You you'd enjoy watching that uh, awesome Amy Adams Maya Rudolph face off yeah, yeah, musical no, it number is again. Entirely enjoyable. It is entirely yeah. pleasing to the eyes and ears. It tickles. Is that what you said? Tickles the senses. Yeah, tingles the senses. Yeah. I was fully tingled throughout. And uh, yeah. if you need a nice happy movie to put on, 
it will absolutely do the job and will not uh, it will not ruin your night. I just think there is just so many like weird compromises and like half baked ideas kind of messing things up a little bit that I just it's, it is it is still a thumbs up, but it is definitely not like a strong like, yes, yes. They could have just simplified some of that stuff, right? And it could have gotten across still. Yeah, you know, I think maybe that maybe it was a lot of plot devices to try to build around the, them being really into the song "Love Power" sung by Adina Menzel, <laughs> and they were like, "All right, we've got to make this work in the movie because this song is going to be a huge, you know." I, Disney I think hit. they're like, "Oh, we have Adina Menzel." And we didn't make yeah. her, and she wasn't Elsa yet when the first movie came out. So now that we have her, we got to just fucking Elsa, make sure she Elsa's it up. Did she do a song in the first in the first movie? I don't think she did. I think she was just uh, she just looked uh, like a New York Jewish professional woman. I think that's weird. All. That's so weird. Because when you mentioned that, I was like, I don't even remember her being in the first movie. And I think I'd remember if she had like a big number like she does yeah. in this. I mean, she's got such an insane voice, man. It's pretty wild. And it's awesome to hear Amy Adams singing again. Apparently, I'd have to go confirm this. But apparently, she was discovered uh, in a like in a, a dinner mo- theater like style situation. Like she was doing like low budge dinner theater. Amazing. For old people or something. And she got discovered there. <laughs> I always think of this the film Soap Dish when he's doing when he's performing in that horrible dinner theater. Uh, that's a deep cut. But anyways, let's she keep it moving. She was in a rival. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, she was totally in a rival. She's got such a crazy career, man. I mean, you know, and and uh, yeah, she's just. I think she is absolutely Disney princess. She's absolutely gorgeous and so talented. I love her in the Muppet movie. I'm so charmed by her in the Muppet movie mm. specifically. God, so good. All right, definitely made me want to watch that again. Uh, shall we move on to Bros? I think so. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is a movie that, like most straight people in America, I had basically ignored uh, the movie was not marketed that well. I, they did a red band trailer. That was the first pop that I had heard of it, uh, where, you know, there was a lot of like the sex stuff, a lot of like, oh, this ain't your, your grandpappy's rom-com. Like, we're going to be like, we're going to do, do gay in a way you've never seen before. And, uh, a lot of people were just like, huh, all right. And then it came out, um, you know, a lot of headlines about like, oh, you know, uh, normal movies don't make a lot of money anymore. Billy Eichner made a uh, like a weird news round when he was like, 
you know, he basically said straight people didn't show up for this. Like, you know, mm. there was there's more going on. People don't see like normal movies anymore. A little bit of that, like grand Scorsese uh, uh, hodgepodge where it's like as soon as you say anything about the concrete ways we can all see how movie releases have changed, the Marvel yeah, fans go like, totally. well, you don't like Captain America? Captain America could. Yeah, yeah. I, I recently, did I have already talked about this with you on a bonus thing? Whatever, this is a main feed thing, so yeah, yeah. you're going to hear I, about it again. The Tarantino thing. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember what I've said that on, but <laughs> yeah, I was kind of blown away that anyone was offended by his comments about how superhero films has changed the landscape of movie stars. It was a very smart, well put. And also he literally said right before it, Hey, if these movies came out when I was in my twenties, I would have fucking loved them. I collected Marvel comic books when I was a kid. It was, it would have absolutely been, you know, I definitely am not trying to throw shade on, on these movies, but, um, you know, there nowadays it doesn't feel like there's movie stars anymore as it feels like instead it's like Thor is the movie star, Mm -hmm. not the guy who plays him. Wolverine is the movie star, not the guy who plays him. And I think that that was completely fine to say. And then again, everyone, Oh, wait, don't like the dumb movie you know what i mean and it's just like drives me crazy because i lament some of the changes that have happened in the landscape of you know hollywood and hollywood blockbusters and what goes on at the box office that said bros is complicated huh i don't know if i would necessarily be like yeah everybody missed out this was so good and everyone passed over because it's not you know thor love and thunder Mm -hmm. i don't i wouldn't say that's true as as a person who loves a good uh, rom-com maybe not so much i mean i like a, a good sex comedy every now and again it's not i i was also um under the impression after talking to you i'm now realizing like maybe i'm didn't catch the marketing right i thought it was being marketed as like a tradi- kind of a this is a romantic comedy but instead finally it's a gay couple instead of a straight couple and it's very much i don't think is not that um it's not just like a typical rom it has rom-com elements but it- it's all over the place in a way yeah that it's all over the place you know so I had been like acutely missing these the screwball comedy, the zany comedy, your naked guns, your uh, you know, Adam Sandler in his heyday, your Jim Carrey in his heyday, even stuff like Barb and Star go to Reno Del Mar. That is my high watermark of like, yeah, yeah, uh, wet hot American summer, like. And I was talking about this with my sister and uh, she was like, oh, have you seen bros? And I was like, no. She was like, this is it's what you're talking about. It is uh, hilarious. And there are solidly funny moments in it. There's like it is a comedy in a way that I don't think they make anymore. But yes. there's also so many things happening where uh, Billy Eichner, who I never saw uh, difficult people I never really saw his like greater acting range. I basically just know him as the funny guy who yells on Billy on the street. Yes. Which is a completely different energy than like what you get. Well, there's a bombacity there and there's an aggressive aggression there in his performance style. You know, his whole character is predicated on like he's a podcaster, he's very outspoken, and he's got big, big, big uh, opinions and big thoughts about especially things revolving around gay culture. And he's going to let you know. I mean, that's definitely a big part of his character in, in, in that way that Billy on the Street isn't necessarily like that in specific ways, but in other ways of just being like you don't have a chance to think you got it you know what i mean just like this rapid fire approach he definitely displays that throughout the movie uh within his character mm. so 
In this movie that is about uh, Billy Eichner's character, uh, he plays a character named Bobby and he falls in love with a uh, meathead jock kind of uh, more straight uh, acting uh, gay man named Aaron, played by Luke McFarland, who is a breathtakingly gorgeous human being. We can all agree. <laughs> and uh, their relationships highs and lows as uh, Billy Eichner's character is also struggling to open the world's first or the uh, the first American LGBTQ plus museum. And so his personal journey and his relationship is now like getting confounded and mixed with the story of gay people in general with like these really long monologues uh, uh-huh. about like Billy Eichner's personal struggles or his character's personal struggles. Um, the, uh, Managing the different communities within the queer community, uh, you know, just his own hangups about uh, commitment and his own like affectations and, you know, his uh, insecurities dating someone who's like, you know, into working out and takes like supplements and like has, uh, you know, it's all the things that he's self-conscious about. It feels like there's I think you're hitting on something that is part of the problem with this film. There's almost too many premises mm. happening in this movie. There's too many moving parts because it's like, wait, I thought this was a, like the name of the movie and the trailer makes it seem like it's really about, you know, this guy being very like straight mm-hmm. appearing and like. Billy Eichner's more like gay appearing character dealing with that and whatever that was going to be, whatever they were going to do with with that basic concept. And then that seemed to kind of like fall to the wayside for Billy Eichner being alienated by, you know, him enjoying like bringing other people in, uh, you know, to the situation or whatever, which isn't which is not really based in like, oh, this is like a bro bro guy. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just like two kind of conflicting. And then you're talking exactly what you just said about, you know, there's the whole thing he works for. He's like opening this gay pride museum and they're trying to make that happen. And there's all ins and outs with that mixed with him his alienation from being there was just so many things going on and i think it i think it it's one of the best things about a good romantic comedy um or even a good sex comedy is it's just like uh simple you know yeah. it's pretty simple it's like sleepless in seattle we made a th- the pact that we would meet at the top of this building you know when we're this age um, will they, won't they, right? I mean, that's just, that's all it is, you know? And I think that once it gets, it kind of, you know what it reminded me of more than anything else, um, but a version of it that doesn't doesn't quite work as well as the better versions of this, a Woody Allen film. Mm-hmm. And Bill, Billy Eichner reminded me a lot of Woody Allen with his neuroses and his outspokenness and this his rambling monologues. Of, uh, upwardly mobile New York creative class mm-hmm, uh, concerns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the mix, there's a lot of like really funny performances. There's a lot yes. of really funny gags. Bowen Yang does a great uh, turn as like a wealthy TV producer. Jim Rash as the bisexual board member of the museum. Uh, there's like tons of mm-hmm. great segments. And I laughed a bunch. There's a great scene where like uh, Billy and Luke's characters are like getting kind of into a three-way and then a fourth guy just like 
seamlessly just fun. like puts that himself really in the funny. midst of it and they're what just was the same steven yeah just like hi steven yeah yeah that was really funny genuinely funny gut busting scenes <laughs> of things that like has never been done before in a major studio movie and i wonder if the the pressure of having the first like ex like not i don't explicit makes it sound like it's there's something like uh, 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 you know, forbidden about it, but like the most like no handholding, no like uh, tittering, no like you know, like this is a gay man's experience in yeah, love this and is sex, queer culture, yeah. just minute to minute, you know. And, so I wonder and if that pressure, not, yeah, made it so that now we have monologues about what it means that gay stories have been like uh, left out of our common culture. What does it mean? That like one's individual expression of queerness can never be like uh, pinned down to like one specific set of rules or traits, like all these things that now the movie has to be about as well. Yeah. And the whole thing with like the Hall of Fame of queer icons and giving that its time and due and returning to that like multiple times and just doing and it's just like it almost is like. Yeah, now now that we're talking about it, I'm like, would this have worked better like as a show? Mm -hmm. Because it felt like there were so many, it was like episode, different episodes <laughs> of, of topics, of stuff to address. And instead it was like all thrown into the pot. It was everything but the kitchen sink is really how it felt. And it just felt, it just felt a little bombarded and like exactly after a while, you're like, what even, not only is it like, it's like, what is this movie really about at the end of the day? I mean, it's like classic, like screenplay class kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like what is the, what is this movie really about? Let's focus it in a little bit. Um, and then that is what leads us to, then who is it really for? You know what I mean? And I just think like, I, uh, you know, it makes sense now that the trailer was even kind of like, wait, what is this movie? Like a little bit. And then, you know, you you get into it and you're like, oh, that's why I couldn't quite get a read on like what type of comedy this actually was because it's kind of like four different ones, mm -hmm. you know, all mixed into one. And then I think the one thing that might have made it work is the thing that didn't really exist. It was like, yes, like his love interest is gorgeous, but he's a little cold. He's a little icy. Uh, he's charming, but not like charming, charming. He's like, he's got charm for sure. I'm not saying he doesn't. And they have some chemistry for sure, but it never quite reaches the height you want. And then Billy Eichner is just unfortunately just not likable enough. Yeah, I feel like in this kind film. of film and, it's a tough, that's a tough line to walk. I mean, I don't fault him too for, for not being able to pull that off because that's very hard to do hard. It, the people, with the type of character he was playing. Like the, who is and who isn't like have the, have the movie star magic is like a, 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 just one of the most convoluted and complicated things in the world. But I, I mean, I hope that like for the audience that like finds it and loves it, it'll be a classic, but yeah, Billy Eichner just talking about like how at his journalism school, like uh, people didn't like, it, it sounded like very personal and uh -huh. it's, I guess what I, I don't know what to make of it because there were genuinely funny parts. I genuinely sure. laughed at like throughout the movie 
And then there were these like educational moments and then there, there were these dramatic moments and a little and, and a little preachy, I feel, too, you know, definitely a little preachy um, for sure. But also. Yeah, yeah. But then also, yeah, it was. Well, Lexi said that she fell off about 30, 45 minutes in and she just said, you know, I'm just not I'm not catching any heart in this thing. Mm. I just don't. Where's the heart? And I was like, I think it's going to come. I think we're going to get there. And we kind of do get there by the end, but we don't, don't quite, we, it doesn't fully take off. I think, I think there needed to be more earlier or his character needed to be a little softer. And you know, it's funny you brought up difficult people because I was just reading the like bio for that, the synopsis for that. And the whole movie is about two, you know, it's centered around two very unlikable people. I don't know if the, how good or bad that movie is. And I think if I were to give Billy Eichner a note, which I'm sure he doesn't want from me, it's, that like hey man i think don't don't worry about it man you can play likable mm-hmm. like you don't have to lean into this kind of uh unlikable archetype you mm-hmm. know because i don't I actually think that you being more vulnerable and playing more likable that other stuff's gonna naturally seep through and make you human but like i would go for more uh or and write probably because i'm guessing he had a part in the writing on this you know i would definitely uh say you can you're you're there man you can play likable you don't have to lean into this kind of this kind of thing as much anymore i also wonder if uh the director kind of uh dropped the ball a little because uh you know if you are kind of building this world with its own kind of energy and rules and and different like tones like then bringing that together and shooting it right is a massive undertaking and you know uh this guy richard stoller I'm looking at his IMDb. He did like Neighbors, uh, Get Him to the Green, Storks. Like this, you know, he just might not have been up to the task. And I think maybe with a more like deft hand, this story could have come together a lot better. Uh Uh-huh. I agree with that. At the end of the day, though, like if you are curious, if you are a little, you know, if you're a little curious, (laughs) it's still like an interesting movie. It's still something like unlike anything that a major studio has ever released and probably will at this point, given the state of the box office. Um, And I like I think it's kind of worth watching. I'm giving it a thumbs up. For me, it's the sonic frontiers of Mm. cinematic experiences from 2020. Say no more, Holden. Everybody understands exactly what you're saying. (laughs) It's just it's it's there's so many good ideas in there and you want to really want to like it a lot. Mm. But it's so it's just a little too chaotic. It's a little too sloppy. I mean, I think I think this thumb is going to point down. But with a caveat, I think that there's so much potential here. And I think that Billy needs to keep trying to make stuff like this Mm -hmm. and maybe with a different director and uh, all that good stuff. Um, But I think that, um, you know, there's, it's, it's moving in the right direction, but I can't, I cannot sit here and say that like, I loved this movie Mm -hmm. or even liked this movie. I I think I agree with you. It had funny moments. um, And I think it's, it's a, it's a fascinating watch. It's like, but for no other reason, this is a cultural touchstone. So I would still recommend oddly enough that you watch this movie. I give it a thumbs down. But I do think it's interesting as hell for it to have a discussion. And mm-hmm. I'd like to have more of a discussion. You know, uh, representation does matter. Neither of us are queer. I'm so fascinated to talk to someone uh, from the multiple people from the queer community to find out what they think about <laughs> this stank. film. Because I it stinks. <laughs> the critics gay, gay. Is that what you're saying? It Hi, it's me, Jack Sherman, the critics gay cousin. <laughs> wow, the burliest gay man. What? No one's burlier than gay men. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's it, I, half the man, move, half this I I'm the target audience, a burly gay man, and I still say it stinks. <laughs> man, it's so similar to Sonic Frontiers. The more, more I think about it. <laughs> Because it's just this hodgepodge of of different ideas no that you're like, oh, you should have just simplified this show in the world. It is we'll the Sonic this, Frontiers. No, give you this take, but it's like I also really, uh, genuinely wanted to like it so fucking much. I will say this, Jake, a movie that I thought a lot about, and and I almost hit you up and be like, maybe we should also do this movie. Um, I think the answer for the more modern uh, times that just most recently is weird. The Al Yankovic story oh, is that comedy thumbs that up, you've been thumbs looking up, for both that. Two that gets up. a big thumbs up. And that is totally hard. I mean, it's totally like another walk hard. It's mm-hmm. making fun of music uh, biopics and stuff. But man alive is that just wall to wall, classic, like ridiculous, silly, barb and star style, Fire you know, com- the 90s Roku comedy. And get ready for the yeah. funniest comedy of the past but also, eight years. It is. I I just have a Roku TV in the bedroom, mm. so it's it's free. I know it sounds like you might need to buy something because it's called the Roku app. It's totally free, and it's on just already on your Roku. So just go into it. Squ- you don't even divert your eyes. So you don't even look at the menu long enough, and just just pick out that one movie. When and was then, the last and then time flee. you watched that many honest to god commercials? Though wasn't that weird? Oh right, that's the other weird thing I wanted to talk about with that movie was that like. I was like, wait a second. I don't think this movie's in the theaters right now. I think the only way to watch this new release AAA budget film with like huge stars behind it mm-hmm. and, a, and big names all around is with commercials. <laughs> it is technically a made for TV movie in that sense. It's the first of its kind, I'm pretty sure, where the only way you can view that really funny, good film that belongs in a movie theater is on an app with commercials. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Unless you're like bootlegging it or whatever, but why would you do that if it's free? That was so, that is such a strange movement, I think. Mm-hmm. That's such a str- moment in like cinema releases. Uh, yeah, but check out Weird, the Yankovic story. Check out Bros. I give it a thumbs down, but fuck it. Check it out. Yeah. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And we've talked about movies uh, that are kind of perplexing the modern box office. And now we go to the only kind of movies that matter. Marvel movies, and this one was supposed to be. <laughs> did it do well? It did, did Black great. Panther Wakanda forever do well? Oh, it did. It okay, did, cool, especially cool. considering the environment right now. Like, yeah, it did. I mean, it wasn't uh, like you know a billion dollar movie, but I think it made like. You know what? I'm just going to go to Box Office Mojo, and the number is going to be very big: mm. six hundred seventy-six million worldwide, 
which considering we're in a weird state where like, uh, oh, wait, no, this one says, how long ago was, this one says almost a billion dollars, a huge success. Whoa. Okay. Great, because I was worried about that. I hadn't heard a ton of people screaming about it. Enough people had talked about it. I definitely felt more driven to check it out after we did our episode and really having it hit home. I think I think uh, um, something that made me really sad that I kind of ran away from a little bit emotionally kind of really hit me full force in doing that episode, which is the passing of Chadwick Boseman. And so this movie just had such a wild responsibility to push the MCU forward with their what phase are they in at this point? Four, with this I believe weird, this is the end of phase four. Phase four may, might go down as like one of the weirdest phases in the whole history of the MCU. There's just so many bizarre in-betweener filler, just strange kind of it's like a rebuilding year for them with everything. So they kind of had to put a button on it um uh you know with the third of uh, or the fourth i guess avengers film to end the whole like infinity war saga so but then this film has this other bizarre all right so then black panther comes out it is this massive i kind of in the same way that uh wonder woman was on dc side for re- female representation superheroes this came out was this big moment for people of color for like you know, in cinematic history, it was this huge. It's a modern capitalist wet dream. Yeah, because exactly. it is for Disney in Chadwick Boseman. They had their like iconic, charismatic leading man that would get butts in the seats. And for Ryan Coogler, like he had uh, amazing yeah. director, cr- incredible storyteller. I'm just more and more convinced every movie I see of his it just convinces me more and more. This guy is on top of his game. Yeah, totally agree. And then tragedy strikes. And now what do you do? And now what do you do? Yeah. And I mean, you know, I got choked up talking about how he wanted to quit, you know? And so like the, the sense of man, this, this movie, I I thought of one word dour. Mm. This movie has a fucking vibe. Like you feel the mourning that is going on. And then at the same time, also, they need to introduce Namor. (laughs) Well, they need to introduce Namor. They need to introduce (laughs) Ironheart. They need to introduce Uh um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character, which will come up uh, later. Like, the the skeleton of what, like, this movie was going to be, had Chadwick Boseman uh, overcome his, or just was still around, uh, the, you know, what the movie was going to be and how it fit into the grand Marvel plan was all there. But now there's this just whole extra piece about like mourning and coming to terms and missing somebody and like, uh, you know, having all of this kind of put on Letitia Wright's character, which, yes, Shuri took over the Black Panther mantle in the comics for a time. But like Letitia Wright was just like this snarky inventor girl in the first movie. And like now it's all on her. Uh, Angela Bassett is like giving an ins- incredible performance full of like uh, yeah. just gravity and anguish. There's just so I, I get okay. So there's the this okay. If they just like this movie is just a uh, a contemplation on loss, that's yeah. a movie. If it was yeah. a big colonial uh, war of culture, anti like war of cultures in the shadow of colonialism, that mm-hmm. would be a movie. If it was about uh, Riri Williams, uh, you know, Ironheart, 
kind of uh, like learning about Wakanda and her superhero journey, that would be a movie. If it was about just uh, introducing Namor, which uh, Tenoch Huerta, I want to say, is incredible. Like all the gravity. I I said gravity too much. All the intensity, (laughs) all the uh, just kind of like power and menace in the character of Namor. I get why you say gravity so much. There's just a weight Mm -hmm. to this film. There's just a heaviness to this movie that like was almost hard to shake out. Like even just like the, the, a dread is a word I would use. Like even just around like the way the villains were, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. carried in this movie. It was very, very little. And there were a couple of uh, quips. This might've been the, the least quippy MCU film ever made. They jammed the quips in so tight and hard when they, in the brief moments where our characters are in a situation where there aren't, directly at war or going to at or recovering from a funeral that the quippy moments almost seemed like an overdrive. It was almost great. Yeah. How quippy uh, the, it was when, uh, when Shuri and uh, Riri are like hanging out at her college, they just like go zip zap zop all over the screen. And I'm just kind of like, what the? F- oh, okay. I forgot. Oh, right. This is a Marvel movie. You got to quip. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, and that's why I would actually, you're leading me to my next point. And this is not a bad thing, me saying this. A really good version of this. Reminded me of a DC movie. Yeah. Didn't it kind of? Like, it had this very dark, like, it reminded me of, like, and again, but a good version of it, like a Batman v Superman in tone, mm-hmm. you know? And then, like, uh, like you said, gravity, weight, it, it it what if isn't this kind of, am I crazy? And is I'm also like, I want to bring to this like again, not that I'm always uh, by the way, I'm not always in a bad mood. I wasn't even in a bad mood when I watched it. I was just tired mm-hmm. and like feeling heavy myself. We're, we're, we're working our for this tour, yeah. Which by yeah. the way, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. I don't know when this episode will drop, but uh hey, check out our Midwest tour, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, that's the other one, and Chicago. Check that out. L.A., San Francisco, lastpodcastnetwork.com. Get your tickets. It's just been so much, man. So much travel, so much planning. We're working double time to get this tour together, which I'm so excited about, lastpodcastnetwork.com. With the holidays as well, the year ending, the heaviness, the weight of that, especially now as a parent, everything changes. Mom, I totally get why you uh, (laughs) broke down in tears at least once every holiday season because of the stress of it all and just everything, all the moving parts going on. This is something you might want to call your mom and tell her i don't know if she'll be listening to our black panther review episode i don't believe she will be listening to this but if she is uh hey completely get it it is just uh, it's a lot man and so and this definitely like it kind of in the opposite way where disenchanted was something that i felt like oh man i needed this this really kind of would just like helped me emotionally uh, you know in the way that you you know it depends on the type of person you are if you want to listen to a happy song where you're going through a sad time to try to pull you out of it that was disenchanted this was like let's lean in let's really explore some of these emotions mm. and so bizarre and interesting that it was through a MCU film but man you can feel the grief throughout this whole film from everyone involved so, and it's really interesting I, I absolutely have to recommend this movie. The, and what's so funny, too, is, again, fucking MCU, man. It's still, at the end of the day, like, the plot points, the beats, 
the combination of chase sequences and action sequences and them in the lab figuring out how to beat the bad guy and giving us the villain's origin story it's so by the numbers mm. it's completely by the numbers and 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 um that I don't love, you know, for sure. But because of all the things surrounding this, all of the different emotional elements with the death of Chadwick Boseman and everything, it's just fucking fascinating from beginning to end. There's so many other things to talk about. There's the the whole sure. political background radiation uh-huh. of like a Latino or a Hispanic or I'm so bad at talking about this uh, coded, you know, this Mesoamerican uh, lost civilization that has also been allowed to thrive free of colonialism and is like kind of its own version of Wakanda uh, being in direct conflict with Wakanda in anticipation of aggression from America. Uh, America is just the looming threat over all the proceedings and how like that desperation like causes people that should be allies to become enemies and uh, the the lesson of the film being like, you know, whether you choose violence or peace or like what the true threat is, uh, Michael B. Jordan comes back as Killmonger and he kind of brings up a lot of this stuff as well. Um, what they did with the character of Namor is brilliant. As just a Marvel really fanboy, I love what they did with his character. I love what they did with his backstory. Even the fact that like, hey, why is he called Namor? And it's because he was Sinamor without love Mm. like that's brilliant Mm -hmm. i got chills the action sequences once ludwig gordonson's uh uh score kicks into high gear and everything is like techno and tribal and powerful and you know things are exploding and there's cool fight choreography it's it's uh, it's genuinely thrilling it's the kind of uh experience that's why people still show up to theaters for these movies um but also, I it's you know the the cast itself. Like I loved uh, Mbaku in the first movie. I thought Winston Duke was like a ama- funny and charismatic, and he just kind of gets shifted to the sidelines a lot during this movie. Lupita Nyong'o's character uh, in Haiti is uh, kind of just uh, she shows up kind of way too late in the film. I feel like, uh, and it's just. It's just there's so much going on because there's so many topics that they have to process that it's it's I kind of, you know, I don't know if I the fun. Was it fun? Was I having fun? No, no, I wouldn't say this was a fun film at all. Uh, but I, and, and, well, so are we, are we, are we saying this is the bros of MCU films? Is that what's happening right now? <laughs> Was it too much stuff thrown into the pot in your opinion? I mean, there's so many things that you have to keep in mind for outside yeah. the movie to like really feel the impact or just to like, like outside the movie factors into inside the movie in a way that I don't remember in a major blockbuster in quite a while. I don't, not until Avatar 2, The Way of Water, will a movie hit <laughs> on so many different levels. And, you know, again, or, or I guess, again, I haven't said this yet, but uh, I definitely felt like this movie, 
um, was two, you know, two and a half hours is too long for me, in my opinion. I think that we, you know, and I think that that might be a product of too many things going on for sure. Uh, two and a half hours is a lot. Maybe I'd feel different if I saw it in the movie theater. It's a little different for the kind of situation I was in viewing this thing. And I'm very fascinated. I know Lexi wants to watch it, and I didn't watch it with her. So I'll definitely be watching it again when it hits Disney Plus. And I'm very curious to see if I have a different feeling mm-hmm. from it based on that. Um, I definitely it also want to watch it because yeah, for sure, there is so much going on. But yeah, it's it's again, yeah, Black Panther. The great thing about that first movie, just like Enchanted, you know, is like just so simple. It's simple, very very clear, concise story. the The villain was very clearly presented and everything. This just had that. Yeah, I called it an onion going in, you know, maybe even before we started recording. This just had layers in it. I it's un I think it's impossible for it to not have layers unless they just spent the entire film ruminating on the death of Chadwick Boseman, right? right. <laughs> like that's the only way it like wouldn't have a bunch of layers because it's just this really challenging task of making a superhero movie that's going to do all the stuff that the the execs, the figgies need them to do to like move the whatever the grand master plan of it all is going to be forward. You know, it needs to be a Marvel ass Marvel movie in all these certain ways that, that feeds the uh, people that get mad at the Tarantinos and the Scorsese's of the world for liking any other kind of film better. (laughs) That's not just this very clear, concise kind of good versus evil story with these action set pieces and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, it had to deal with loss in this like really profound and challenging way that all of the cast members and the director and everybody, even if there was no element of Chadwick Boseman's death and Black Panther's death in, in the film, it would still seep through somehow, you know, because it's just impossible. So I'm glad they leaned into it and I'm glad they, I think they handled it in the most like respectful, you know, I mean, they could have done full on, you know, Princess Leia, you know, digital reincarnation shit. You know what I mean? And so I'm so glad they didn't really lean into that. And like they handled it in this incredibly respective uh way filled with reverie and beauty. But um yeah, I don't think that, I don't think you could ever sit in down and just be like, oh yeah, this just like was this very like straight down the line thing because the death honey, is complicated. Get, hey, honey, get the popcorn. It's time to watch all your favorite characters be really sad. Yeah, man. It's fucking heavy, man. Uh, but good. And I think if you need some catharsis, if you have a similar feeling to me about the passing of Chadwick Boseman, then this will be great for you, I think. And I think I give it a thumb up. Yeah. I think I do. I don't think... I don't think... It's kind of funny. None of these movies we talked about today are like a, um, a no bones about it thumbs up. Yeah. Right? I think that they're... All three of these movies that we chose are kind of messy. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. We didn't pick a single film that, that we could say, oh man, this had such a specific direction and f- vision and focus you know, but that's what makes them interesting. And that's why I even say I gave the bros a thumb down, but I still say, still say watch, watch it, it yeah. because it's interesting. And I'd rather that than a thumbs down. Cause it was yeah. boring as because it was just another Marvel movie or it was just another, you know, 
run of the mill whatever film. Yeah, you know. So I, I, that's kind of the beauty. And I the, mean, by messy superhero movie standards, it's way better than Wonder Woman eighty four. I'll give it that a hundred percent. Yeah, I need to. I, I kind of want to go back and watch that. Ooh, I haven't seen. I that haven't before. seen it since it first launched, and I just remember being <sighs> well confused and bewildered, and by the end, just yelling at the TV, being like, "What the." fuck are you guys talking about? Well, I think this is the difference. I think Wonder Woman 84 was a lot more cynical and a lot more like the reason why it got convoluted and complicated was they were like, it was dollar signs and people with dollar signs for eyes getting involved in a project trying to make it like as big of a money bag as possible based off the success of the first one. Whereas I think Black Panther's really complicated because of the tragedy surrounding it. Yeah. You know? So that's what makes it so beautiful too and it's messiness a sloppy beauty you know when i and i uh, i'd even take that almost well i wouldn't necessarily take it over a disenchanted any day but i mean there's more it's more profound and contemplative than a disenchanted yeah. you know disenchanted sloppy because of similar reasons you know to, to just a lot probably a lot of people involved who all think they have the right idea of what something should be mm-hmm. you know this was just like man I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, you know? Okay, okay. So as you can hear the director just being like, dude, I don't fucking know. I, I think they did uh, shout outs too to making Namor even in the little skimpy green shorts and the butterfly, the little winged ankles and the CGI lessened package, all this kind of like silliness that is that character design. They really pulled off like a intimidating, interesting you know, and who is the actor? I should look him up. He, he did a he did a great job, oh, yeah. man, of holding that character down. Because I've never seen that character as like intimidating or any of that in the past. The usual move is to just like have him show up with the little wings and the pointy ears and the widow's peak, but just have him like destroy a city with a magic whale to prove he's not fucking around. But uh-huh. this made him this gave him the menace and an interesting backstory that like is way more relatable and way more interesting than just Yeah, was Ad- that Atlantis? Was, was that in the comics at all? No. I I never seen kind of this Mesoamerican El Dorado city lost Aztec Mayan Incan vibe ever. Okay, yeah. I like that. The villain design uh, for the rest of his crew was really interesting. Very r- reminiscent to me of like the Aztec inspired Mortal Kombat characters. <laughs> oh, Kotal That's kind of what I thought about a lot. Yeah, Oops, total Kotal I Also, the yeah, skin is green. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, it was really, uh, uh, but it was, it was good. Man, they were scary. Like, mm-hmm. man, they did a good job of it. was just so foreboding. Everything about it was just like, ugh. Just it just grabs you and it doesn't let go. Either they're mourning loss or these really intimidating characters are on screen, just fucking shit up and making you really unnerved. Mm-hmm. Fascinating movie. All right, well there you have it. Oh, what do you give it? I will also give it a thumbs up. You know, a uh, just the backstory and knowing everything you know going into it. The fact that there is this like insane uh, amount of like political uh, baggage that like. Because in a Disney, like, you, they're kind of, so, the way they handled this in Captain America uh, Winter Soldier, or, no, yes, Winter Soldier, was that, no, 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 America isn't the bad guy, it was Hydra who was secretly making America do bad things, and that's Uh the problem. Because even in this movie that is supposed to be so empowering, we're still having two 
uh, countries of like non-white people at each other's throats. Like you can't have uh, the the Dora Milaje just like fucking gank some U.S. sold troops. Like you can't do that. But it's still like a complete 180 of kind of the unspoken laws of who is powerful and who isn't in mainstream movies. And having this, you know, this cast of like almost all black and brown people like telling a story that is still uh, theirs, but also universal and compelling. Like it's doing a lot. It is doing a lot of interesting things. It's a big action CG blockbuster. It's everything that like, you know, one of these $200 million spectacle movies needs to be on top of all the other things we were talking about. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. Jake gave all thumbs up. I'm a, I'm a, despite my insanely combative and uh, neurotic <laughs> personality, I'm agreeable. Damn it. You're great to talk about this stuff with man. It's honestly, even, even the stuff I disagree with you on was like, well put and not in a way that pisses me off. That's hard to do. Yay. Sometimes I get, sometimes people really suck about <laughs> disagreeing with you about <laughs> dumb movie shit. And so it's, it's always a treat to do these. Well, thank you so much, everybody. I uh, hope you enjoyed this one. Maybe we'll start doing these a little more often. Um, definitely. Of course, as we need to um, take holiday days and stuff like that, it's a good option for us. So hope you enjoyed it too. And check these movies out and uh, we'll be back uh, next time with some more heavily research-based content. I I had to borrow a book from the library for our Ralph Bakshi episode. Wow. Yeah. We're really doing some stuff these days. It burns my skin. I felt felt like (laughs) I shouldn't be there. (laughs) All right, everyone. Uh, Thanks so much for your support. Uh, Check us out if you'd like to support us more. Patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Always appreciate uh, new patrons on there. Really helps keep the show running. Patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. By really help, you mean it is... The sole thing that keeps the us thing. <laughs> and uh, indeed, and twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. That's twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. I stream Monday through Friday when I'm not on tour. Lastpodcastnetwork.com for tour dates. Jake, follow me on Twitter while that's still around at Best Jake Young. Also on Instagram at Best Jake Young. And uh, follow Puppet Jared, my little VTuber character that I do streams every Thursday. It's called The Cartoon Dumpster. And we watch weird, old, bad cartoons from the 80s and 90s. I have a grand old time. I, I said it once, said it a thousand times. Every week, someone comes in and is like, hey, I heard you talking about this on the podcast. And I didn't believe you that I would like this. And it turns out I like it a lot. Don't every week every week there's a new person that's like i thought you were lying but i'm not lying it's a fun (laughs) time thursdays uh puppet jared on youtube and twitch check it out all right and always remember never stop bruising and keep on whizzing at the movies with soft (laughs) randall hey i'm back from the demon realm This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer... Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.